following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Hello. Well, good to be together as a family of God, isn't it? Um, I feel like um, there are some clarifications I need to make before we get into our text this morning. Um, uh, last week, I shared with you a picture, John Calvin's picture of the Apostle Paul on a sailing ship, on a boat, um, with all of his earthly advantages piled up on board and how he joyfully heave them into the sea, uh, not with a longing sigh, but he cast them off as scubula, our new favorite Bible word. He cast them off as refuse, as garbage, or worse. Now, what I want to clarify is um, when it comes to applying that picture to our own lives, uh, is that all of Paul's... uh, All of Paul's earthly advantages were mistakenly thought of as making him more acceptable to good, uh, more acceptable than the next man. Um, so my fear is, uh, and it's probably not founded because I'm sure you don't remember the sermon from last week, but uh, <laughs> in case you do, my fear is that what you may have heard from me was that all of your worldly advantages are bad. And so you should throw them overboard with joy. Um, as if you finally got that smelly bag of garbage with the rancid meat out of the garage so it wouldn't stink so bad. That everything good about you is garbage. Uh, so I, I want to be clear. I'm not sure I am so far. Um, I want to be clear that our advantages um, are blessings from good, uh, our Father, and casting them off will not guarantee us a closer relationship with Christ. Right? So, um, whatever skill you might have, or, or uh, well, let's make it real personal. Let's say, just imagine, one of your worldly advantages is a motorcycle. We're getting real now. And you say, in order to please the Lord Jesus, I must cast off my motorcycle as scubula. That's not what I'm saying to do. <laughs> right? I, I, want, I just want to be clear about that. Um, Calvin also said, uh, he gave us this wonderful picture of the boat, but he also said, it is not expressly necessary that you be a poor man in order to be a Christian. But if it please the Lord that it should be so, you ought to be prepared to live in poverty. Right? So all the good things that we have in this life are not bad. They are blessing from God. And we can throw them out in order to be closer to Christ unless he calls us to do that. Okay? So, 
I'm not, uh, I'm not going to throw out my wood shop so I can be closer to Christ uh, unless he says so. And in that case, I'm not going to answer the phone. <laughs> hmm. All of those advantages that Paul cast off were only advantages in regards to man's efforts to be righteous. All right? This is a problem. Uh, that's the problem. And the truth is that Christ alone is our entire blessedness. We don't need anything above that in order to be blessed. Right? Uh, Man's merit, the things that we do to make ourselves more goodly, we think, or more righteous, that is in total opposition to Christ's grace as far as righteousness is concerned. So our effort to make ourselves more acceptable to God is an insult to the cross of Christ. Okay? We must embrace that we're the scubala. But uh, God saw us worthy. Worth saving, okay? So, get it? Should we cast, should we cast off all of our inv- advantages in order to gain Christ? If you want to cast off a motorcycle, you can cast it off in my garage. Well, it's not necessary. <laughs> but it's all right with me if you want to. Our, our advantages are blessings from the Lord. What we must give up is our mistaken confidence in those things, right? Our advantages do not define our worth, and they do not make us more or less acceptable to God. And I don't just mean material blessings, but our, our gifts, our skills, uh, our abilities. Uh, how we think about those things makes all the difference, right? I'm, I hope I'm clear about that. I'm not going to. The horse is dead. It's time to dismount. All right. So we're going to look at Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. And that's page 981 in the Pew Bibles. We'll read that and then we'll pray. Philippians 3, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it to my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Let's pray. Father, we so grateful again that you brought us together as a family this morning to gather around your word and listen for your spirit to speak. We thank you, Lord, that your word is your words. And uh, you have chosen this way to communicate um, to us your love and grace. We pray, Father, that uh, your spirit would move in our hearts this morning and we would receive the message that you have for us. I pray that uh, it would be you that speak and not me. We'll love you, Lord, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hmm. So, I have to ask you as we begin to examine our passage this morning, a very important question. And uh, the question is, which are you um, 
more concerned with, your justification or your sanctification? Your stunned silence is very reassuring. Maybe uh, this is a very important question, but maybe knowing what those words mean would be helpful. Um, um, justification, right? Uh, uh, just as a side note, I may, maybe I say it later. I don't remember what I'm going to say. Uh, we've been studying the letters of Paul in the order that they were received originally, approximately, as best we know. So we have worked through a lot of books uh, to get to this point. Uh, and these uh, books, uh, the letters, in the New Testament break down in three categories, right? And the first category was uh, had everything to do with establishing the church in the gospel, right? so that the church understood what the gospel is, what it means, and how to embrace it, how to, to, to uh, uh, live as a Christian. And the second section of letters is uh, concerned with... Um, uh, participate the church participated in the mission of the church like how what do we do now okay we got the gospel we understand the grace of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ we're saved we're forgiven wonderful but there's more to it than just uh, hold on to that and then do nothing right so we're in this section that uh, pushes the church towards maturity um, in spiritual growth right that's why we have this weird picture on the uh, screen up here. It's, uh, growth. That's what this middle section and then the final section is Paul's uh, torch-passing letters to the, to the men who would come after him and continue the work that he started. Um, so this passage this morning really marks a turning point in that whole theme. Um, we're really going to start working on this idea of growth, spiritual growth, and participating together um, in the mission of the church. And uh, I think that it's not uh, uh, coincidental that we're to this point. When we first started Galatians four years ago or so, something like that. Oh, Sammy says yes, it was four years ago. He remembers. He's the brains of this outfit. Uh, most of you were not here. That's the truth. Right? This church has grown. We've been blessed. Our family has grown. Um, and those of us that were, were here really needed to grab onto our understanding of faith in the gospel and, and being established in what, what it really means to, to be a Christian. And so now we get to this point. Much like the churches that Paul were writing to, they are growing. People come to faith in Christ. Uh, families are growing. And, uh, and, and now it's time to uh, consider growth, real growth, not just more cheeks in the seats, but our growth as uh, – sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there are some phrases okay to talk about with your pastor friends, maybe not so much with the church wide person. <laughs> My filter is broken. I can't uh, – I don't – I lost it. <laughs> All right. We're going to get back off our bunny trail back – to our work here this morning in Philippians. So, justification and sanctification. Nothing, nothing that I just said had anything to do with that. Uh, justification has to do with our standing before God. Uh, forgiven or unforgiven. There's only two ways to be. 
right? We are either forgiven or not forgiven, right? The Bible teaches us that we are justified by faith in Christ. That means when we accept Christ as our Savior, um, it's just if I'd never sinned. That's the easy way to remember it. Just if I'd never sinned. And never will again. That's even better, right? This is how we are seen by God now through faith in Jesus Christ. Our sin, he doesn't see us. The sin we're going to do this afternoon is already forgiven. I came to faith in Christ as a little boy, right? All the sins I'm going to do this afternoon were forgiven then. Isn't that wonderful? Now, that's not license. Well, it's already forgiven anyway. <laughs> Woohoo! No, no, no. <laughs> now we're going to talk about sanctification. This is very important. All right. Um, when uh, we come to faith in Christ, we are clothed with Christ's righteousness. We put on the righteousness of Christ like a big coat. And when God the Father looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. He sees Jesus in his stead. Isn't that wonderful? It's wonderful. Well, that's justification. Justified, never sinned, and never will again. That's how we stand before God, through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, sanctification is what comes next. The moment a person turns to faith in Jesus, confessing their sin, turning from their sin to Jesus, right? The repentance, the word we use for that. They're justified, right? But there are many who are justified who are not sanctified. Um, sanctification, unlike justification, is not a one-shot deal. We come to faith in Christ and we are justified. Sanctification is a process. Um, it's the process of becoming more like Jesus. Right? What Paul talked about in verse 10 from last week, he says that I may know Jesus and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Uh, someone who just come to faith in Christ this morning, not saying things like that. Right? Fair to say. Oh, I, I believe in the Lord Jesus. Now, I hope that I suffer like Jesus did. You don't hear that very often. It is this sanctification, this, um, <laughs> the best way I've heard it is described, is the process of becoming holified. Not justified, but holified, right? Um, this is what the apostle turns his attention to for the rest of this letter and the ones that come after it. It's not that he no longer cares about people being saved, but his concern is for their and our progress in the faith. We are uh, by no means all saved and all set. We have to keep moving forward. And he uses himself as an example. He says in verse 12, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Now think about this. This is a man who wrote, what, 13 books of the Bible. Well, this is a pretty impressive resume. And even before he came to faith in Christ, he's a pretty religious man, right? All clean cut, very moral person. But he says, uh, there are some things I have not yet obtained. And what is that? What, what hadn't Paul obtained? It wasn't salvation, right? He had that. 
it wasn't justification, right? He already had those by faith in a Jesus Christ. So what was he lacking? Good question. Maybe I'll answer it for you. <coughs> Sorry, my voice is a little hoarse. So it goes back to verse 10. That I may know Jesus and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Paul was lacking a perfect or complete knowledge of Christ. He hadn't obtained a complete knowledge of the power of Christ's resurrection. He didn't have a complete sharing of Christ's sufferings and likeness in his death. And of course, he had not yet obtained the resurrection from the dead. Paul had not reached perfect sanctification, but in hope, he pressed on to make it his own. He wrote back in Romans 8, 18 to 25. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. The redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Now I don't think this uh, get talked about very often. Paul was pressing on in hope for completion. Now you think about that. What does men, what do people want most in this life? We can't speak for people live in different culture. We don't know them. can only read about that. What about here and now? What do we want more than anything else? Don't we just want to be okay? I mean, really. I just want to be okay. I want everybody else to be okay, too. This is a pathetically low standard and dismal hope. What is okay anyway? Right? I want to be all right. I want to be okay. I don't. That means I don't want to have any trouble. I don't want pain. I don't want any strife. I don't want any relational conflicts. I don't want any of that stuff. Do you? You don't? Well... You're pretty good at making it, but make all that trouble. <laughs> right? Completion was what Paul's, uh, Paul was pressing on towards. Completion. It's as if Paul were saying, look, guys, I had plenty of laurels to rest on, right? I lost a long resume, looked really good. Uh, but I don't, I don't think about that anymore. I, don't, I only mention it to show you that those things are worthless. 
Leave that stuff in the past. Keep moving forward. Don't even focus on how far you've come. Just keep straining towards the goal of knowing Christ Jesus completely. To know him fully, even as we are fully known. This is what Paul is saying the goal is. And what was Paul's motivation to press on to make completion in Christ his own? Because his motivation, as it says there in verse 12, it's a Christ that made me his own. Why wouldn't I want to make him own? Right? I don't think we think about that. We love being saved, right? Anybody not like being saved? Oh, being saved is a bummer. I'm, when this life is over, I get to be with God forever. <laughs> it's pretty good, right? Still, I have to go to the dump every week. Uh, pay the bills, Right? Things are hard. Are we motivated by that? That Christ has made us his own, and so our, our lives should be uh, focused on him, what he has done, how we can know him more? Ought to be. This is a lot of ought to's, I think, this morning. So another sermon to me that you get to listen to. Paul recognized that the Lord Jesus had done everything that was necessary in order to save him and make him his own. It's only right that Paul would want to know him completely. That was his motivation, to do the things that he did, not to prove himself worthy of God's love, not to prove that he was really, really religious or spiritual for other people. He belonged to Christ and wanted to know him completely. This is a profound thing, I think. Look at verse 13 and 14. Um, Brothers and sisters, a Greek word means both, siblings. I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I remember we said last week about uh, Paul wanting to somehow obtain the resurrection from the dead. That wasn't because he doubted that he would uh, join in the resurrection, but it was his humble view towards it. Now here he is again showing his humility when he says, I don't consider that I've made the complete knowledge of Christ my own. I haven't got there yet. I'm still working on it. He's still working on me. But my singular focus is forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of good in Christ Jesus. He says forgetting what lies behind. You ever thought about that, forget what lies behind? Well, there's stuff, there's stuff that happened to us that we don't want to think about anymore. Right? I think we can, we can all grab onto that. And those are usually bad things, right? Things we think that were negative to us. What about the good things? You forget about those? <laughs> no. Well, well, what lies behind? What is it that lies behind? Aren't those the stories we tell around the campfire, right? Talk about how far we've come. I used to be a drug-dealing baby killer, and I came to Jesus, and now I'm a deacon. Wow. Paul says, this is amazing. Paul says, where you were, 
doesn't matter. Doesn't matter where you came from. Doesn't matter how far you've come since uh, Jesus found you and you came in faith. Doesn't matter how much ground you've covered. Doesn't matter. Where are you now? Keep moving forward. Now, I was first thinking about this, of course, I'm thinking only about myself. Uh, that hasn't really changed. Um, so I think about this, and believe it or not, I used to run. Like runners run. I used to do that. You've heard of it before? <laughs> Jogging or... Uh, it's a foolish thing lots of people do. I don't do it anymore. I used to run four miles every day before breakfast. Now I sleep before breakfast and get up just in time to eat. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. I always try to get to five miles. That was my goal. I want to run five miles every day. But um, my knees had a different goal uh, that more closely aligned to sleeping until breakfast. My knees gave up on me. Um, but when I ran, I always ran on the road. I didn't, uh, we didn't own a treadmill, and running on a track was boring. So I run on the road. And one of the perils of running on the road is cars. They belong there, and I don't, right? Uh, I was always looking over my shoulder to make sure I wasn't going to get run over. Uh, and every time I did that, of course, I would stray off the line I'm running on. Running sideways into the bushes, right? So, of course, when I first start reading, reading this and see, forget what lies behind. Oh, that's right. Don't look back or you'll wander off course. That was my first thought. Makes sense, doesn't it? But it's wrong. So if you're like, yeah, rats, wrong. I don't think that's right. I don't think uh, that's what Paul's talking about. Although Paul did have the runner in view. Uh, he, this is, when he's thinking about this and saying these things, he's using athletic terms, which we love about him. I do. I think that forgetting what lies behind and not focusing on how far we come keeps us from uh, being like the hare and seeing that we're so far ahead of the tortoise, tor turtle. <laughs> I should have practiced that. It keeps us from being like the hare. You see that we're so far ahead of the tur turtle that, that we can just take it easy, right? And maybe even stop and rest for a while. I'm running a great race, and I'm way ahead of that guy, so I'm just going to coast. Maybe I'll sit down for a while, take a little rest, all right? What's the lesson from that story, the tortoise and the hare? What's the lesson? Wrong. <laughs> Forget about the turtle. Finish the race. Why focus on the turtle anyway? Why not the rabbit? Yeah, because the rabbit is stupid. <laughs> That's the lesson, I think. Forget about what lies behind. Just finish the race already. Right? Keep moving forward. That's the rabbit's problem. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of good in Christ Jesus. Paul's straining and our straining is not to make ourselves righteous. It's not to justify ourselves. 
It's to know Christ more completely. To be sanctified by the Holy Spirit, made more holy. In moving forward, there is only growth in Christ. Maturity is what lies ahead. We must press on towards that goal because what's the prize? It's God. The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. When we run a race and we press on towards the goal, when we finish the race, we get what we've been straining for. A complete knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We will know him fully even as we are fully known. Now in our goal in life is only to accumulate more things or more power or more influence or more friends. What happens when Christ comes back? It's not going to matter for anything. Right? It's all chaff. Just burn up little pieces of wheat that blows away. That's what all that stuff is worth. When Christ returns, we'll be disappointed because all will be we'll be left without all the stuff we've been working so hard to get. May actually be disappointed in God's eternal kingdom. Can you imagine? What about all my stuff? But when knowing Christ more fully is our aim and all that we strive for, when a race is over at the return of Christ or the day of our death, all of our striving for him will be worthwhile because that's exactly what we'll get is more of him. Finally, in verses 15 and 16, it says, Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. This is very interesting. I love this. Because Paul recognized that not everybody is ready for this. Not everybody is ready for this level of thought. That it may be a goal too lofty for some because, because of where they are in their own uh, respective races. Right? Maybe you're not ready for this. Maybe I'm not ready for this. Maybe this is exactly the case today. Not everybody is ready for this level. Maybe some of you are not ready for things, these things, but by God's grace, don't forget what you've learned, and in time he'll bring you along. I love that. I love that. I, I get it. Not everybody is here. Not everybody is on the same plane, right? But God will bring you along. Just keep running. Just keep moving forward. So it's the last word. I say this to you. Glory in Christ's righteousness and prefer it above all else. Aspire to know him completely, to participate fully in his sufferings, to know completely the power of his resurrection and the likeness of his death, and someday the resurrection from the dead. This is what we strive for. This is what we hope for. May we attain it by God's grace.
Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, um, this is a harder word than I thought it was going to be. I pray, Lord, that uh, we all would grab a hold of this goal, make it our goal to know you more completely, that we would grow in our knowledge of you and our experience would reflect yours. Father, I pray that you would turn our eyes away from the things of this world and the things that we could accumulate in this life and that we would turn our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We know, Lord, it's only by the power of your Holy Spirit that we can uh, do any of this. And I pray, Lord, that... uh, if we are not in agreement on these things that you would show us that you would bring us along not only help us Lord all no matter where we are in the race to keep moving forward to press on to know you more completely so when this race is over we will receive the prize being face to face with you we love you Lord and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.